contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. I am the aforementioned Andrew Brandt, and I'm going to do some rants. Uh, This was a big week, an interesting week. Started for me at the United States Supreme Court, the most hallowed hall of justice in the land. I'll talk about my experience in there and what's going on with sports gambling, which I've been covering for a few years. Big, big changes ahead, in my opinion. Also get to Roger Goodell's extension, $200 million, or is it really? <laughs> and we'll look at some of the violence on the field from the other night, from the from the weekend, and sort of the the arbitrary nature of these suspensions. And speaking of violence, you know, what we saw with Ryan Shazier, who is still sounds like in tough shape coming off the injury from the Monday night football game, the player for the Steelers that I still think about watching that and watching what happened and kind of the, the brutality, violence of the game that we all accept, bemoan, but accept and actually in some ways crave about the game. And then I'll get to uh, start of the new feature of, of questions to me that I get on my website. Um, check, you know, I'll give you the way to, to, to get them to me, but I'm happy to answer these questions. And a lot of them are coming in sort of more personal. I'll get to that as well. So first, the sports gambling issue. United States Supreme Court took the case. Listen, I can count on one hand. I teach this stuff. I've been doing this a long time. I can count on one hand the number of cases that reach the United States Supreme Court that involve the word sports. There's only a handful. You know, you talk about the Kurt Flood case and the federal baseball case from 100 years ago. There are just not many of these. Here we go. United States case, Supreme Court, here's the case of Christie v. NCAA. Quick backdrop, New Jersey has been trying to implement sports betting for a long time, but there's a law in the books. PASPA, Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, that prohibits, basically prohibits gambling around the country except for those grandfathered in, primarily Nevada, a couple other states with their parlay and lottery games. But that's it. And so what's happened is New Jersey, see, like a lot of states, see they need some revenue. Atlantic City's failing. Governor Chris Christie says, let's put a law in the books for sports gaming. Well, it's blocked. Who brings the suit? Well, it's the sports leagues. I'll get to that hypocrisy or mixed messages in a minute. But NBA, NHL, NFL, and Major League Baseball, along with the NCAA, saying, no, you can't do that. And they win. Uh, The sports leagues win at every level, lower court, middle court, higher court. And after losing all these rounds, Chris Christie in New Jersey applied to the Supreme Court. It's called a petition for certiorari. Those are granted about 1% of the time. And then, of course, the United States Solicitor General writes something to the court saying, do not take this case. And lo and behold, they took the case. They took the case, which tells me they want to do something. They don't want to leave it as status quo. So I've been writing about it in terms of the sports leagues and kind of the mixed messages about gambling and how they've embraced fantasy sports while fighting gambling. I think fantasy is gambling. In fact, I think players are more subject, susceptible to influence on fantasy because it's individual statistics than on team outcome and and on regular gambling. For instance, if a nefarious influence wanted to get 
to a, a big a difference in a game. Is he really going to go to a running back and say, I want you to lose the game? Well, he's one of 11 interdependent parts. Running back can't do that. But if he wanted to go to the running back and said, I need you to stay under 100 yards for fantasy, yeah, that could happen. Anyway, having said that, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, I have embraced fantasy, even invested in daily fantasy. So that's greased the skids, I think, for acceptance to gambling. And then the mixed messages about casinos and teams have been practicing at the Greenbrier Casino. It's a, it's a hotel, but it's mainly a casino in West Virginia for years. You have I was with the Packers. We stayed at the United Nation Casino Hotel the night before games. They were a sponsor of ours. You have MGM deals with the Lions, and you have... Of course, two two leagues have placed franchises in Las Vegas. Notwithstanding all those hypocritical mess, hypocritical messages, let's look at the case. Well, the Supreme Court. I was there. I sat about ten feet away from Chris Christie. I saw him eye rolling and smirking during the government's case, not the government, the sports league's case. But it's hard to read the tea leaves on these. But I saw judges much more empathetic to New Jersey, to the state's rights argument. Lawyer Ted Olson from Gibson Dunn argued it, and basically he said, started and ended with the Constitutional Convention of 100, whatever, 200-something years ago, and the, the model of states' rights and not infringing on states' rights. And as a matter of public policy, you want states to have the ability to experiment, to dissent, to have checks and balances on the federal government. I get it. That's what this was all about. As to Paul Clement, the all-star lawyer who's argued for the NFL in the lockout case, the concussion case, the Elliott case, the Tom Brady case, he didn't get the receptivity he got in those cases, for instance, with the United States Supreme Court justices. Quick impressions. I was very impressed with Justice Breyer, and he was clearly on the side of New Jersey. Very impressed with the two newest justices, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kagan. thought their questions were reasoned. They didn't badger. They were on top of things, almost as if they were trying to impress Chief Justice Roberts, who is, again, what I saw clearly on the side of New Jersey, as I saw Justice Kennedy. seemed like Justice Sotomayor, who has ruled for baseball and the NFL in the past, was clearly on the side of the sports leagues. So if I had to handicap it, I'd say it's going to be a 6-3 opinion for New Jersey. Now, the question will become, is it going to be a New Jersey-specific result? that only allows sports gaming to be implemented in that state, or are they going to declare PASPA unconstitutional, meaning that it's a free-for-all and the state-by-state patchwork? That's exactly, and by the way, states are lined up, New Jersey, Connecticut, I'm sorry, not New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Mississippi, New York, they're all lined up to start this sports book as soon as this happens, if they're allowed. If it's New Jersey-specific, they wouldn't be allowed. What are the leagues afraid of? Well, the leagues don't want it to happen in the courts. The leagues don't want a patchwork of state by state, some states in, some states out. They would rather this happen organically through Congress. <clears throat> but if that's the case, they should have been, if not a, 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 for years, lobbying and getting this done in Congress to have a federal framework for it rather than waiting for the courts to decide. Unfortunately, they're now at the mercy of the Supreme Court which could decide Christie v. NCA, which, by the way, will change to Murphy, the incoming governor, 
VNCAA uh, sometime. Well, that'll change when he comes in in January. The decision will come sometime between February and June. We just don't know when, but I would suspect we will have Nevada-style, Las Vegas-style sports books in New Jersey by the start of the 2018 NFL season. I think this is changing. And yes, should it? Oh, well, you know, society's tolerance of gaming is becoming much greater, and we see what happens overseas. They look at us like, are you serious? You don't have sports gambling? You can walk in any betting parlor in Europe. You can do it at the games. You can do in-play betting. And the whole thing is integrity that the NFL and other leagues talk about. That can be managed with companies like Sport Radar, like Sport Genius, that are gaming integrity companies that look out and monitor bets there's no more regulated environment in this country than Nevada. That would apply in other states as well if this happens. So that's what I think will happen based on being the Supreme Court and watching this case in action. Stay tuned for the event uh, or for the results sometime this spring, and I'll be back talking about it then. All right, some other issues. The violence the other night in the Monday night football game between the Steelers and Bengals, which always seems to degenerate into that. This was not a violent play, but Ryan Shazier, the linebacker, was hurt and hurt seriously when tackling a tight end in the early part of the game, lied there, seemed to not be able to move his legs. I'm not going to speculate. Uh, I reach for his back. He's been hospitalized at this recording about four days now. I'm sorry, about three days now with very little word coming out. Obviously, these things take a lot of time, but the days and hours seem like months in waiting for an update on Ryan Shazier. Not only a great player, but seems like a really good guy and a family surrounding. And this is something that we sort of watch. We watch him cart it off, and the play resumed after that. Just sort of struck me like, oh my God, this is what happens. They roll the guy off the field. He's not even in the tunnel. They're resuming play, and that's just what we do. It's what they do on the field, and it's what we do as consumers viewing the game. And here is the ultimate conflicted relationship we all have about this game. And I assume that you watch football if you're listening to this. If you don't, maybe you have a different view. But every time this happens, every time we get violence that causes injury, which could be serious injury, even though we are praying that it is not with Shazir. The question becomes, what do we do? Well, we watch, we consume, we lament the violence, we bemoan the brutality, but we watch, we consume. It's our conflicted relationship in so many of us. In fact, I would say millions of us we hate the violence in some ways, but we crave the violence in others. In fact, many of us wouldn't watch the game if there wasn't this controlled violence because it wouldn't be that interesting to us. And that is what this ultimate conflicted relationship we have with football. We hear about CTE. I think the nabobs out there that talk about football in decline, it's going to go the way of boxing. I'm like, seriously? Boxing? Boxing didn't decline because of the brutality. Boxing's popularity was replaced, I think, in good part by MMA, which is more savage, which is more brutal. They don't have gloves. They don't have headgear. It's more blood. So I don't understand any relation to, 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 to boxing and foot, the decline of football. Listen, 
that game, Monday night ratings were up. Sunday night ratings were up. You know, we can go through this every week, ratings down, ratings up. The popularity and prosperity of the NFL continues to be strong. I don't see any reason to think there's going to be a decline. I don't think there's any reason to think there'll be a decline in TV rights or sponsorship rights or interest. Despite the social activism, despite the violence, despite CTE, despite whatever latest crisis the league has. So it's, it's, a, it's a scary in some ways relationship we have with football. It is something we deal with. I deal with. I had chills watching Ryan Shazier. I watched after he left. I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched. Okay. Speaking of that game, there were fines, suspensions. There were two suspensions on the Cincinnati safety and on Juju Smith-Schuster from the uh, from the uh, Steelers. Smith-Schuster's suspension was upheld. Cincinnati safety, I believe you pronounce it, Aloka. Uh, his, his was overturned. Only a fine. The day before, Rob Gronkowski takes a premeditated run with a WWE slash slam move on the Buffalo player who was prone on the ground. He got one game and had the incredible audacity to appeal that suspension when everyone viewing it thought there'd be multiple games involved with that suspension, but there wasn't. Here's the problem, and it's been the problem with Commissioner Goodell's suspensions discipline for players on off-field conduct. Unfortunately, it's the same with on-field conduct. It's not that it's too harsh. It's not that it's too soft. It's that it's too arbitrary, where fans and media like me can look at it and say, well, wait a minute. So we had two games for the, the two, for Tlaib and Crabtree that fought and snatched the chain, later reduced to one on appeal, but only one game for Gronkowski? Really? I mean, it just doesn't seem right. So I think what the NFL needs to do here is show some transparency. The best way to build trust with your consumer base, the best, absolute best way is transparency. How can they be more transparent? Well, give us criteria on why this was one game, this was not one game. This is not sensitive. This is not confidential information. I've been in these hearings. I've had players do conference calls from my office at the Packers about these fines or suspensions, and they talk about angles, and they talk about, I thought he was going this way. <clears throat> I think that'd be really interesting. In fact, I think these should be televised. These should be sponsored. And then when we talk about gambling, people can wager whether the guy who gets suspended or not, or the suspension be upheld or not. That's a little bit facetious, but I do think whatever, if it doesn't have to be televised, but more transparency, that brings out trust. That would obviate the need for all this criticism about. And that's what we're talking about. Now, maybe the NFL likes it because we're talking about the NFL on a Tuesday or Wednesday when there are no games. But it would seem to me we could have programming if we need to on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays about these fines and suspensions. We could really have transparency. Uh, So I think that's what could happen out of this. And I would hope maybe it does. And speaking of the commissioner, as I sit here recording this on Wednesday evening, December 6th, 
The reports are out today. He has signed, signed the extension. The extension of his contract through 2024, it's probably a five-year extension, which now puts him in the job for the next seven years. He will negotiate the new CBA. He will negotiate the new TV rights. He will be the continuing leader as he has been since 2007. That will take him 17 years into the job. So all the hot air about Goodell maybe not getting a deal, about Jerry Jones blocking it, about Jerry Jones having support. Give me a break. I said it would never happen. I said the best Jones could hope for is some kind of dealing with those extension numbers. I'm sorry, with the compensation numbers and structure. And maybe he did. Maybe he had some influence on structure. Maybe we hear about a $200 million deal, average 40 a year. We don't know if that's true. Then we hear most of it's incentive-based. So it's less than $10 million a year in hard numbers, and then you have incentive-based. The key to me is what are the incentives? How easily are they made? Just like a player deal. And just like a player deal, the, the big numbers thrown out there to get the attention, $200 million. Well, it's not a $200 million contract. It's about a $40 million contract with $160 million of incentives. So we'll see what happens with that. So in some ways, Roger Goodell reporting of his contract has become very similar to reporting of player NFL contracts, where it is like, hey, let's blast the big number so everyone can talk about it. But behind this, inside the deal, you see a much different deal. Hopefully, over the coming days and weeks, I will find out exactly what are those incentives I would think they're related to what I just talked about, the CBA, the uh, media deals coming up, the sponsor deals coming up, what's going to happen with new media, with Google, with Facebook, with OTT deals, Yahoo, uh, Amazon, Netflix, Yahoo, uh, YouTube, etc. We'll see where that goes. But for all those who don't like Adele, and I know that's a big crowd, get used to it. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. And players may not like it either. And I'll have a lot more going into the CBA about what I think are his going to be his priorities, what are going to be the union priorities, where that's going to go. And I'll leave you uh, answering a personal question. You can send those to uh, me on Twitter, hashtag BOS, Business of Sports Podcasts. Uh, you can send them to me on my website, andrew com. Uh, and I've got one here from the website, actually. It's from Joe N. Newton, Massachusetts. And Joe asks, how do you balance all the deal? I'm sorry, gigs. How do you balance all the gigs you seem to have? You seem to have great production and proliferation uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, Joe, that's a great question because... When I left the Packers, now eight years ago, almost eight years ago, um, I wanted to do something else in my life. I wanted to live more on my terms, and I really wanted to see if there was a way that I could create something different. I know I wasn't going to make the money I was making at Green Bay Packers. You know, team executives make a lot of money. But could I piece together different things to do that? And I started with media and academia, and that's really the two focuses. So yes, I have a lot of gigs, and you know, I have a, uh, I've always had academic gigs. I was at Wharton for many years. Now I run a program at Villanova in the law school. I run a sports law, sports business program endowed by Jeff Morad, 
who is the was the part owner of the San Diego Padres, longtime great agent with Lee Steinberg in the baseball space, then he was CEO of the Diamondbacks. So I do that at Villanova. I get speakers, I have symposia, I have uh, events, I teach my class. It's a great gig, and it's six minutes from my home in Villanova, Pennsylvania. Uh, on the media side, I've been able to balance a lot of different gigs, writing for my own site, then writing for ESPN, then writing for uh, MMQB, now writing for MMQB and The Athletic, and on the TV side, ESPN for six years. Uh, and when I lost that gig, when we had the layoffs, it affected me probably less than anyone else because it's so much more going on and able to stay in it. I think the thing that uh, for someone that has a lot of different things going on, and I get consulting gigs all the time brought to me. I was just asked to consult for a big case going on now in sports, which I can't discuss. I'm considering doing it. Um, I think for anyone in any, forget sports, any walk of life, you have to have a good control of your time. You have to be a self-starter. You have to be comfortable with the unknown. You have to be comfortable with each day is going to be very different. You have to be comfortable with moving from one space to the other. I'll be in like teaching a class on the academic side. Something's popping on the media side. I'll jump out of class. I'll, I'll wait till it's over. And then I'll tweet. I'll write. I'll do TV. I'll do radio. And I'll then foster back uh, into class. I'll toggle back into that mindset. Um, I could be writing a column, then I'll have to do a, a radio thing. I think the, the key thing for me is learning to say no, which I'm getting better at. I get a lot of speaking requests, usually on the academic side where other schools have symposia or speeches. Uh, I'm going to accept less of those now. I just think that was sort of eating into my time. And I have other projects that I'm looking at doing. But to me... This is kind of the way of the world. I think the days of our fathers start a job in their 20s and stay with it till their 60s. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, there are a few out there that do that. But you have to move around. You have to be nimble. You have to be willing to adapt. And you have to be able to follow your passion, sort of be comfortable in the unknown. And I know it's easy to say at my age, not for young people, but you can't worry about money. Uh, I've been lucky. I made a lot of money as an agent and a team executive. I make good money now. I don't make what I did, but it's more important to me to have my time. That's your most valuable resources. It's your most non, it's, it's a finite resource. It's non-renewable. So I have time for all these different gigs, I have time for my fitness. As people know, I'm kind of a fitness nerd. I got to work out every day, sometimes twice a day in the summer when I'm in tri triathlon season and got to have time for my boys and my wife. I have two boys, 15 and 20. Uh, one's at NYU, one's home in high school. And, you know, they're, they're the most important thing. So all those things in balancing, I don't know if I answered the question, Joe, but I'll do a whole podcast on that. I think I need to. That is a Brant's Rants edition of the Business of Sports for this first week of December. I'll get back with a guest next week, but I wanted to get through all these things that were sort of hanging out there, Supreme Court, Roger Goodell, violence on the field, scary with Ryan Shazier, let's pray for him. Listen to me on these podcasts, RossTucker.com, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you hear your podcasts, follow me.
at Andrew Brandt on Twitter and my website, as I mentioned, andrew-brandt.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.